All right, everybody, take your Bibles to 1 Kings chapter 11. 1 Kings chapter 11. I want y'all to just kind of think along with me, if you will. Don't be surprised that my dad's in the hospital tonight. If any of y'all have been here on Sunday nights, y'all know what he's preaching on. You don't think when he started preaching out of Job, he expected maybe a few meetings in heaven going on about him? That's the reason I'm not man enough to preach out of Job, is I don't want to go to the hospital. Yeah, I read a book the other day, just uh, wanting to study a little bit about Job chapter 1. The very first thing the man said was, if you start to teach this book, expect trials. And I believe it's just a result. Hey, uh, <laughs> that's the last thing Satan wants is a bunch of Christians willing to sell out, regardless of their circumstances. So just please be in prayer for him. Uh, tonight we'll be in 1 Kings chapter 11, and you can already see the screens. I'm kind of preaching on a controversial subject. When smart people do dumb things, here we go in verse 1 of chapter 11 of 1 Kings. The Bible says, But King Solomon loved many strange women, together with the daughter of Pharaoh, women of the Moabites, Ammonites, Edomites, Zidonians, and Hittites, of the nations concerning which the Lord said unto the children of Israel, Ye shall not go into them, neither shall they come in unto you, for surely they will turn away your heart after their gods. Solomon clave unto these in love. And he had 700 wives, princesses, and 300 concubines, and his wives turned away his heart. For it came to pass when Solomon was old that his wives turned away his heart after other gods. And his heart was not perfect with the Lord, uh, his God, as was the heart his uh, David, his father. For Solomon went after Ashtaroth, the goddess of the Zidonians, and after uh, Milcom, the uh, abomination of the Ammonites. And Solomon did evil in the sight of the Lord and went not fully after the Lord, as did David, his father. Then did Solomon build an high place for Chemosh, the abomination of Moab, in the hill that is before Jerusalem, uh, and for Molech, the abomination of the children of Ammon. And likewise did he for all his strange wives, which burn incense, incense uh, and sacrificed unto their gods. And the Lord was angry with Solomon, because his heart was turned away from the Lord God of Israel, which had appeared unto him twice. And had commanded him concerning this thing, that he should not go after other gods, but he kept not that which the Lord commanded. Wherefore the Lord said unto Solomon, For as much as this is done of thee, and thou hast not kept my covenant and my statutes, which I have commanded thee, I will surely rend the kingdom from thee, and will give it to thy servant. Notwithstanding in thy days, I will not do it for David thy father's sake, but I will rend it out of the hand of thy son." Howbeit I will not rend away all the kingdom, but I will give one tribe to thy son for David, my servant's sake, and for Jerusalem's sake, which I have chosen. Father, we come to you tonight, and Lord, I am just a little tired of normal services. And Lord, I've preached my share of them. Lord, tonight we ask for your spirit, and we ask for a bunch of Christians willing to humbly submit to a God that is their leader that is their sustainer, and that is their provider. Father, I do pray tonight that Your Spirit would move in this place. 
And Lord, I pray that you would fill me with your spirit. Please, Lord, uh, restrain me in places I ought not go and give me wisdom as I preach. I pray all this in your son's precious name. Amen. You ever do dumb things? I was telling Brother Phil the other day, Brother Phil Schuler. I said, before me and Amy ever started dating, the first thing I ever told her was, if you want to date me, you're going to have to put up with some of the dumb things I do. And your mind probably goes to bow fishing. No, I wasn't talking about hobbies. I have plenty of those, and those are dumb, sure enough. But I'm talking about when I just fail, when I'm an idiot, when I do things that probably should never have been done. You ever do dumb things? I do them all the time. I remember uh, the other day I heard on the radio, I listened to a lot of sports radio, and the radio said 90% of all men believe they are in the top 10 percentile of athleticism. (laughs) That's a true statement. I remember when I was much younger, when I was in high school, I always made pretty good grades. I I didn't really struggle through school. I kind of didn't do my work probably as well as I should have, so maybe my GPA wasn't super high or anything, but... I really didn't try, I just kind of got along through school, but I always considered myself, you know, just a little bit smarter than everybody else, you know what I mean? Just, I, I could talk fast, I could do things, and I always figured, yeah, I, I'm above average intelligence, until the state enforced a test that told me exactly how average I was. It's called the ACT. I didn't take the SAT, but I remember... I didn't do much studying for the ACT, but I remember going in there that day to Burleson High School, and there's a classroom with about 50 other students, and you got the really smart girl here, and you got the guy that's trying to look on your paper, and you're like, well, I'm above average intelligence, so that's a good idea. And you got all these people around you, and I remember uh, taking the test that day, and that thing just kind of zaps your brain. I mean, you're there forever, and I walked out that day, and I was like, you know what, I think I did pretty good on that. And then they send you the results in the mail. They said, you made a 21. Now, not a 21 out of 100. The scoring's a little bit different. But as I began to read how they're scored, 20 was absolutely average. And I made a 21. So all those years I was right. I am above average intelligence. One point above average intelligence. I realized, you know, I'm not that much smarter than everybody else. I'm actually very average. And and so me being average, I do a lot of dumb things. Do you ever do dumb things? I do them all the time. You see, this evening, we're going to take a look at, at a man in the Bible who wasn't dumb. In fact, the Bible says there would never be another man that was as wise as him. But the passage of Scripture that we just read doesn't sound very wise, does it? That's why I want to talk to you tonight on why do smart people do dumb things? You know, I look, I look and just this past week I was speaking to someone and I heard another story about how another pastor failed in the ministry. I look at our church and churches in general and I see homes being torn apart. Did you know the divorce rate is 50% in the church and out of the church? I look at Christians that, you know, I see their faces on Sunday mornings, but I just don't normally see them on Wednesday nights or Sunday nights. Are these people bad people? No. I think they're smart people. 
They're just doing dumb things. Let's take a look tonight at a man and take his example and find three areas that we will fail in if we are doing dumb things. First of all, we see in verses 1 through 3, we see that Solomon had an unprioritized affection. You see in verse 1 of chapter 11, the Bible says, But King Solomon loved. Now let me ask you, is love wrong? Love's not wrong. Love's a good thing. In fact, it's, it, we would not even be able to understand love if God had not loved us and given us the love that He's given us. Love's not a bad thing. Let me ask you this. Is marriage a bad thing? No. Only when she doesn't cook. <laughs> marriage isn't a bad thing. Marriage is a great thing. It's one of the best things that I've ever done right behind bow fishing, deer hunting, turkey hunting, duck hunting, racquetball, all those things. But then it's... Marriage is awesome. It's great. There's nothing wrong with any of this, but he just had them out of priority. And that's what we see here, first of all. But King Solomon loved many strange women, together with the daughter of Pharaoh, women of the Moabites, Ammonites, Edomites, Zidonians, and Hittites, of the nations concerning which the Lord had specifically said unto the children of Israel, Ye shall not go into them, neither shall they come into you, for surely they will turn away your heart after their gods. Solomon clave unto these in love. You want to know the first stop sign to whether you're doing dumb things? Is when you completely disregard the Word of God. A commandment was specifically given, not only to Solomon, but to the nation of Israel that they were not supposed to marry out of their tribe. You see in Deuteronomy 7 verse 1, the Bible says, When the Lord thy God shall bring thee into the land whither thou goest and passest through, and hath cast out many nations before thee, the Hittites, the Girgashites, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, the Jebusites... Seven nations greater uh, and mightier than thou. And when the Lord thy God shall deliver them before thee, thou shalt smite them and utterly destroy them. Thou shalt make no covenant with them, nor show them mercy. Neither shalt thou make marriages with them. Thy daughters thou shalt not give unto his sons, nor his daughters shalt thou take unto thy sons, for they will turn away the, thy son from following me. You see, the warning was clear in Deuteronomy as the law came to Moses and as God dealt with the nation of Israel. He said, if you marry people with false gods they will turn your heart to those false gods very much the same way they worship them. You see, what Solomon did so well early in his life, he began to fail at, and he just disregarded God's Word. What a terrible thing when Christians began to disregard God's Word. Let me ask you, why do Christians do so many things contrary to God's Word? I think I've almost come to the conclusion that it's because they don't know enough of God's Word to know what He wants. It's funny how when we go to churches and uh, and the preacher begins to preach, God said that homosexuality was an abomination against Him and that He would utterly destroy those homosexuals. It's funny how amens tend to just roll off the tongue of saints. Amen, preacher, you sick them homos! Don't we do that? And then we get to talking about alcohol and it's like, well, 
I, mean, I don't do it a lot. The, the preacher begins to preach about having a good conversation, one where words that ought not proceed out of the mouth of a, a born-again, regenerate Christian, uh, how that should not happen. And then the, the church house tends to get a, a little silent when we uh, smash our fingers with a hammer. And the preacher can stand up here and say, well, my friends, we ought to go soul winning. We ought to be good witnesses. We ought to, we, us men, we ought to raise strong homes. We ought to raise good families, loving the Lord, cherishing them up, raising them up in the foundational principles of God's word. Church house is silent. Women, you ought to adorn yourself in modest apparel, not bringing attention to your body, not bringing attention to yourself. The glory of, uh, of God ought to be shown in your body. The church house is silent. All of them are in God's Word. All of them are just readily available for you to find if you want to find them. But the problem is Christians don't want to find them. Because the fact of the matter is, Christians might have to change who they are, what they do, what they wear, what they say, what they listen to, what they take in their body, and we don't want to change. You want to know if you're a smart man doing a dumb thing is when you listen to God's Word and you don't respond to it when the Spirit of God works in your heart. The Word of God was not there for a suggestion manual. It was not there so you could just duct tape and fix it up how you want to fix it. The, the Word of God was given to us so that we as wicked sinners could know the will of God for our lives. And let me tell you what, the will of God is found in God's Word. The will of God is that men would be leaders of their homes, that their wives would submit unto them, but not just because they're the man, because they're a godly man submitting himself unto God. It is not our duty to say, well, I don't really want to listen to that part of the Bible. It is our duty to say, God, whatever your word says, I'm willing to do. God, give me wisdom. Show me your will. And a smart man will always heed the warnings of God's word. How often do we walk in the, in the counsel of the ungodly? Little shake up here and little shake up there in our lives and and the wife doesn't like us like she used to, and we find ourselves around a water cooler at work asking uh, opinions and direction for our life from men that couldn't care less what God thinks. You see, my friends, I implore you and I beg you, if you're doing things contrary to God's Word, you're doing dumb things. And I beg you and I, I just ask that you would please say, God, whatever your word says, whatever your will is, I'm willing to do it. Because after you bought me with the, uh, with the blood of your son, it was no longer my life to live. It was no longer my opinions or my desires, but it was you leading me in the paths of righteousness. Uh, a person who's doing dumb things... They will ignore God's word. Secondly, you'll tarnish God's work. Look in verse 7. The Bible says, Then did Solomon build a high place for Chemosh, the abomination of Moab. A high place was a, a beautiful grove, a place set up on a hill so that people could go worship. And Solomon now is doing this for Chemosh. He does it for Molech. He does it for the, uh, 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 you see there in uh, verse number uh, 9, he does it for another God somewhere in there. It's in there, guys. Y'all don't have to just take my word for it. It's in there. You see, 
Solomon was called to do what? What was, think with me if you will, what was Solomon's entire purpose for being king of Israel? To build a temple for the, for the Lord God of Israel. So much so that David wanted to do it. David longed to do it. And before uh, David had the ability to say, I've got the materials, I've got the handiwork, let's go, let's do this. God says, no, I'll raise up your son. And your son will be the one that builds my house. What a great ministry Solomon had. What, What a beautiful place it must have been. What a magnificent place the Holy of Holies must have been. You see, it was Solomon's ministry to create the temple for God. And now he's doing it for other gods. I want you to understand, these gods were not just fiction, they were not just fables. These gods were literally gods that people sacrificed their infants to. Chemosh, they would sacrifice their daughters and their sons on the altar, hoping to gain some type of respect from him. Another god uh, that one of the uh, tribes worshipped that uh, Solomon started worshipping, one of them uh, was a uh, goddess of fertility. And so what you would do is you would go into the temple and there would be legalized male and female prostitutes in the temple of this goddess. And this is who Solomon finds himself worshiping to. Building places of worship for them. Do we ever devalue our ministry here in this church like Solomon did? Solomon's whole reason for existence was to build a temple, was to do a great ministry. How often do we devalue and underemphasize what God wants us to do in this church? You say, well, the bus routes, that's, that's a little below me. You're just devaluing your ministry. God's called you into this church to serve, not to sit soaking sour. God wants every Christian to put their hand to the plow. The Bible says no man is fit for the kingdom of God that puts his hand to the plow and looks back. God wants you, once you're saved, to begin to learn his word, begin to implement his word, and begin to uh, uh, publish his word. God wants you in every area of your life to serve him. And I'm just afraid that maybe the luster of our ministry has worn off. I'm looking at seats right here that their luster's worn off. Everybody in the balcony's ministry, the luster's kind of worn off. You see, I know I'm preaching to the choir because your luster's not worn off. You're here tonight. But I have to say, we have to be concerned about when people just... Well, I want to go to a ball game. Well, my son has a a field trial. I I want you to understand there's nothing more important than the ministry God's called you to here in this church. God wants you to serve. Bible says in Matthew 6, 33, But seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added unto you. Hey, you want the ball games? You have the ball games. Hey, you want the fun? You have the fun. Hey, you want the money? You get the money. But first, seek the kingdom of God. I just say the luster's worn off. I just say we've just tarnished it up. Solomon's ministry, and he starts doing it for other gods. You see, your ministry would be spreading the gospel. Your ministry as 
we will begin to announce uh, upcoming dates for the B1 of 200. Come out and for one day give out 27 flyers, at least 27 flyers, so that uh, people might know of our anniversary Sunday and so that people might come and hear the Word of God preached. You know what your ministry is? If this church is having a B1 of 200, you be one of those 200. And you come and you say, hey, I'm not good at talking, but I'm good at giving an invitation out. And you just stand up and say, it's my ministry to serve. Hey, hey, you got a ball game? Cancel it. Hey, you got a picnic? Cancel it. Because the ministry of God is more important than mundane things that won't last at all for eternity. You see, people that do dumb things, they just kind of allow their ministries to tarnish. They allow the beauty, the luster to just kind of fade away. Now, folks, I remember standing in the bookstore right after it was built. I remember a specific man that had obviously gotten on fire for God. Turned his life around. All you heard were good reports, good things. Reading his Bible, praying every day. I remember standing in that bookstore, shaking his hand and saying, you know what, I'm proud of you. I remember watching a tear fall from his eye and he said, I never understood the Holy Spirit's feeling like I do now. He was on fire. You know one of the greatest weapons that Satan has at his disposal is? Time. Oh, you're on fire now, teenager? Youth camp come around? Five days of hot preaching? You're on fire? Let's give it some time. Adult, you come to service, you hear the man of God just boldly proclaim the word of God, and you come down to this altar, you get something right? Let's give it some time. Satan says, I don't have to send a minion. Why should I take, why, why should I take out of my devil's time? Let's just give him some time to mess up on his own. Have you lost your fire? Have you lost your desire to serve God in this church? If you have, my friend, you need to find a different one. And I'm not saying that so that we can get rid of you. I'm saying that for your spiritual benefit. If you're not doing something for the kingdom of God where you find yourself, go find somewhere where you can do something for it. I implore you, uh, I love the, the, the jobs, I love getting money, I love saving money, I love homes, I love, I love sports, I love hobbies. But I beg of you, don't make a bigger priority out of those. Don't elevate those over the work of God and pleasing God with your life. Man, a smart person who makes dumb decisions, he'll, he'll just have unprioritary, uh, unprioritized, that's a tough word. And to be honest with you, I don't even think it's a word. Spellcheck told me numerous times it was not. An unprioritized affection. Secondly, look with me, if you will, at verse 5 and 6. You'll have an unrestrained appetite. Verse 5, the Bible says, For Solomon went after Ashtaroth, the goddess of the Zidonians, and after Milcom, the abomination of the Ammonites. Solomon did evil in the sight of the Lord and went not fully after the Lord as did David, his father. You know, when you have an unrestrained appetite, your blush leaves you. Things that once were ugly and sinful don't look quite as bad anymore. You see, Solomon, now, 
we don't have this in the Bible, but if he's building groves for gods where people sacrifice their children, that's a little different than the man that said, the righteousness of the perfect shall direct his way. Because he wrote that. Early in Solomon's life, he was submissive to God. He wanted to please God. God says, I'll give you anything, Solomon. I'll give you riches. I'll give you lands. I'll give you wealth. God, I just want wisdom to judge your people. I want godly wisdom. Early in Solomon's life, he says, I want to please you, God. Now, things ain't looking that bad. Even abominations. Abominable things before God. Things that God specifically said don't do. Solomon now has his hand in. You just lose your blush. You know, we've not lost our blush on some things in the church. But we've lost it on others. You know, fornication, that's a pretty bad one. Adultery, that's a pretty bad one. And so we stand up and we say, oh, that ain't right. But then we know guys go to the job site and cuss all day long and we shake their hands on Sunday. And if we were to shake our own hand, we'd be shaking the hand of a man who cusses on the job site. Teenagers, we, we've just lost our blush. Adults, we've lost our blush. We, we listen to music that talks about uh, fornication, talks about alcoholism, talks about uh, 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 cheating, uh, talks about all these different things. We listen to music. We intake television shows. Isn't it pathetic that Christians would watch homosexuality on TV? Oh, but it's funny. That's pathetic. You've lost your blush. Things that used to make men and women of God sick, they're not so bad anymore. And we're a bunch of smart people. We're just doing dumb things. And Solomon had lost his blush. Secondly, he lost his burden. Look in verse 6. Solomon did evil in the sight of the Lord. Now, if you have your Bibles there, in verse 6, the Bible says, And went not, what's the next word? Fully. After the Lord. You see, Solomon never stopped worshiping God. He just wasn't doing it with everything he was. You see, in 1 Kings 8.22, the Bible says, after the dedication of the temple, the Bible says, And Solomon stood before the altar of the Lord in the presence of all the congregation of Israel and spread forth his hands toward heaven. And he said, Lord God of Israel... There is no God like thee in heaven above or in earth beneath who keepest covenant and mercy with thy servants that walk before thee with all their heart. Solomon was on fire. He just wasn't anymore. Have you lost this relationship with God? I will never forget the feeling I had the day after salvation. I remember crying my eyes out. I can take you to the tile at youth camp. I remember just walking out of that building. I remember sitting on a bench just outside the building. And I just remember saying, thank you, God. I ain't sat on many benches lately. And so often we say, dear Lord, thank you for saving us. But it's such an empty thanks. It's so empty. Please just... 
let's take the advice of a man. Let's look at his example and say, he was not fully following after God and he he had his hand in too many hats. My friend, God doesn't want your halfsies. God doesn't want part of you. God wants every bit of man and every bit of woman that you are. He doesn't want us to have these sideshows. God wants us to say, God, whatever it is, wherever it is, I'll do it. Finally, Look with me, if you will, in verse 11 and 13. People who do dumb things have an unfortunate amnesia. Have an unfortunate amnesia. You see, Solomon had forgotten about God's covenant. The covenant of of God was given unto his father David, and then it was given to him again, and it said, Solomon, if you'll obey me, You'll have this kingdom forever. And it'll be in your family. It'll be in your seed. The Bible says in 1 Kings 6 verse 12, Concerning this house which thou uh, art in building, if thou walk in my statutes and execute my judgments and keep all my commandments to walk in them, then will I perform my word with thee which I spake unto David thy father. You see, God had promised David that the the scepter and the throne would never depart from his house as long as his house walked with him. But in this covenant was, if you obey me, you'll have blessing. But if you disobey me, you'll have curses. Moses says, I set before you this day both a blessing and a curse. A blessing if you obey the commandment of the Lord your God, uh, which I command you this day. And a curse if you will not obey the commandments of the Lord your God. Moses was clear. God's always been clear. Obedience is expedient. Obedience brings blessing. Obedient, and let me just say, blessing can come in the valley. Blessing doesn't mean some prosperity gospel where you'll never have a trouble. Blessing is found in the walk with God wherever you're found walking. And obedience brings that. A submissive heart of a humble servant saying, God, I'll do it. That brings blessing. But a rebellious heart like that of Jonah always brings a well. Always brings. If you read this passage here, God literally prepares men to take down Solomon and to just put a thorn in his side. God says, I will prepare men to be a problem for you. Are you obeying God? Because if not, you have a well in your future. Are you obeying God? If you're obeying God, you have the blessed God of this universe at your disposal. He wants to help you. He wants to walk with you. And and my friend, I'm not talking about emptiness. I'm talking about a real relationship as I preached about Sunday morning. Something you can hold on to. The Bible says, uh, faith is the evidence of things not seen. When you need some evidence, you have faith. And God will show Himself unto you. Faith is something that you can hold on to. The faith and the walk with God, you have it, man. It's real. And the Bible says you can have that if you obey. But Solomon had just forgotten the covenant. The further Solomon got away from God, 
the less he was concerned about, about God's discipline. You want to know why Christians backslide with no problem? They're so far from God, they don't even think God will punish them. They're so far away from being in God's will and obeying Him with their life, that God's never on their mind. So why would His punishment be on their mind? You see, Solomon just forgot his covenant. Then finally, we're done. We forget sometimes about God's compassion. You know what's sad about this story is Solomon becomes Saul. So much so that as Solomon begins to seek after these other gods, God raises up a man that will take his kingdom after him. And Solomon begins to seek for the life of that man. Does that sound familiar? Remember when David was the anointed king of Israel and Saul was still holding the throne of Israel? Do you remember what happens? Every single day they're like, Saul, we got to go to battle. But Saul was more concerned about sticking his head in this cave, sticking his head in this hole just to find David. Uh, There's literally half of an entire book devoted to this cat and mouse game between David and Saul. And you sit there and you're like, Saul, what are you doing, man? You're still king. You can still still turn to God. You still have... Come on, salt. And you're cheering for him to get right with God. And he never does. And you know David's the rightful king. He's going to be the anointed... He's the anointed king. He's going to be the king. And the whole time, this cat and mouse game plays out. And the saddest part of this story of Solomon is, he's so far from God, even though he has this example to hold on to, he becomes the man his father had to flee from. The difference between Saul, the difference between Solomon, and the difference between David, a repentant heart. Let me ask you, when I say the name David, there's only two things to come to people's minds. David and Goliath, David and Bathsheba. And if you've been in church long, probably David and Bathsheba comes first. David was a murderer. David was a a, a womanizer. David was an adulterer. And yet, God's using him as an example of a man who wholly followed after him. You know the difference? He just knew God could forgive him. Say, Brother Andrew, as you've preached, I've kind of realized that maybe I've done a few dumb things. Maybe I've downplayed what God's Word ought to be to me. Maybe I've thrown in my opinions in this book where my opinions have no place in this book. Maybe I just kind of do my own thing every once in a while. Maybe you've underemphasized God's will for your life. You say, I've done some dumb things. I've got good news. God will forgive you. God's compassions, the Bible says, uh, God has unfailing mercy. The Bible talks about how God's mercies are new every morning. You see, there was plenty of mercy for yesterday. There's going to be plenty for today. And my friend, when you wake up in the morning, just in case you were wondering, God's mercy will be fully there. There's never a short of God's mercy and God's forgiveness and God's love. God wants to forgive you. God wants to do something great with you. You see, I don't think people in this room, I I don't want to downgrade you. I don't want to make you feel like lesser of a being. But we're all smart people. We just do dumb things. 
And God wants to help you through it. I remember when I was much younger, I had just seen this movie, Brink. And some of the youth department know what it is. It was on the Disney Channel. That was back when they had the Disney original movies, and it was about skateboarding and inline skates, so like the rollerblades that the Sonic hoppers, you know, the Sonic girls wear. But it was not just like people doing that. It was people doing that off of sweet ramps. And they would race, and they would do all these cool things. And so I just began to do what I called air brink, which was do a bunch of crazy moves in my tennis shoes when I'm just randomly walking through places. It's like I'm walking through the mall. I'm like, oh, uh, imaginary ramp. I better jump over that. Brink. (laughs) And I would just randomly do this at times. I loved this movie. The kids the other day were like, there's a terrible movie. I was like, well, it was hip to me. It was groovy, y'all. You know, because I'm getting old, you know. That was fly back in my day, cat. And so I would just do all these moves, you know. Not like Irish moves, none of that. I would like grab my feet, imagining that I were wearing inline skates. I would do these sweet tricks, which basically meant I grabbed my feet and spun around. But I loved it. One day I had walked out of my house, and my dad stacks the firewood there on the porch. I was graduating from imaginary ramps, y'all. I was going to real live obstacles. And I saw this stack of firewood over there. Oh, just a little bit yonder over there. I put on my imaginary inline skates. I got me a running start. And I took off. And I jumped. And halfway through, I realized I jumped way too early. And I'm thinking, I'm a smart person. I just did a dumb thing. And as I caught my feet, my inline skates, on the firewood, my face came down, busted the concrete. I still have a scar on my chin. And I slid into the grill. I'm a smart person. I just do really dumb things. Too many Christians are going straight at obstacles. They're just doing dumb things. They have an obstacle in their life. They might have some sin they struggle with, and they just, I'm going to go right at it. You see, wisdom doesn't help you if you continue in dumbness. You know what's right. That's what's discouraging to a preacher, to be honest with you. It's because you don't need help knowing what's right and what's wrong. You need help deciding whether you're going to fully follow God or not. We stand up here week in and week out. and We just proclaim the truth of God's word, hoping one day that the Holy Spirit of God will stick the right bait on the hook and snag you, brother. See, the question is not whether you're a dumb person. You're smart. The question is whether you have dumb things in your life that are impeding your walk with God. 